1: Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC.
2: Hello, everybody! Welcome to another edition of Poetry Emotion with me, Neil Fitz. Well, the season might be over, but um, the transfers are only just beginning. The whistle barely left the referee's mouth when Klopp and Co. started looking and planning. Uh, the new uh, shape side really Uh, I am joined by Matt Addison and Ed Kay today how are you boys Matt first you okay pal
0: yeah very good thanks mate I'm sure we'll uh, we'll talk about Alexis McAllister and the rest of the transfer window which is uh, all exciting stuff isn't it it's all all good and like you say it's come early which is is always nice always a good thing to to get one out of the way early and there's plenty more business I'm sure for, for Liverpool to get done
2: Absolutely. And Ed, a good sign to start with uh, Alexis McAllister. We will talk about him in a second, but it's important, isn't it, after the season we had that we just got cracking on with trying to rebuild this side.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, definitely a good thing they've got managed to get somebody through the door this early into the window. And obviously, with it being McAllister and you know, we're going to discuss the price, I think everybody's uh, in a good mood today, I think.
2: I think so. Well, everyone, listen to this. Thank you once again for your support. Really appreciate you always uh, when you tune in to listen to the downloads of Poetry in Motion and all the other ones, of course, Alina Rouge and all of the Blood Red as well. Uh, it is really nice to have your company. We will crack on with some good news, definitely. Uh, 24-year-old Alexis McAllister, World Cup winner um, and a uh, kingpin, really, was of in that Brighton midfield. Uh, well, one of them, certainly. Uh, 12 goals for Brighton uh, last season. Um, just what we needed, really. Matt, we'll start with you uh, with three players going out the door. Uh, and the midfield clearly being one of our biggest problem areas uh, last season. Uh, a huge uh, signing for us, really, and for a price. that uh, Triggering uh, a, a release clause of £35 million that looks like it might rise to £55 million. That's a smashing grab, isn't it? He's either pondering that.
1: Yeah, I think he might have frozen there.
2: <laughs> well, ask you, Ed, because that, that's <laughs> That's probably been evicted from the other room that uh, that you've challenged the podcast in. Um, it is a great buy that makes it, and for the price. I mean, we're all, we're all sort of still a bit tender and uh, about the uh, the loss of Jude Bellingham. We'll talk about that in a second as well, because God knows what the personal terms are. But that's eighty six million, but a um, uh, hundred million euros, which you'd have thought would have been capable of Liverpool getting. But thirty five rising to fifty five is extraordinary, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think it's an absolute bargain, isn't it? When you look at the the prices that were being touted originally, I mean, he's, he's a World Cup winner. Um, I mean, thankfully, that uh, that release clause, obviously, was from a contract that he signed back in October, because I think if he'd have signed the contract in January after he'd come back from Qatar, I think that release clause might have been 20, 30 million more. But yeah, like you say, it, it's just an absolute bargain. We've been touted at around 70 million for him or Kaiseido, anybody who wants to pry them away from Brighton. And Brighton are a club who generally speaking, I mean, they they do really well out of the transfers. They absolutely took Chelsea to the cleaners last summer for Cucarella and for their manager as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's just a... Uh, I mean, I know a lot, a lot of the work has been credited to uh, to Julian Ward, but he, he's gone now and I think it'll be a nice boost for York Schmadker having got somebody through the door so early. You know, Liverpool, they like to do their business quickly when they're going to do it. Um, hopefully, we'll have... I mean, McAllister obviously be there for the start of, for the whole pre-season. Hopefully, if we can get a couple more in before the start of the pre-season and Jurgen Klopp can have a bit more time with them and hopefully they can gel into that midfield. But yeah, I mean, for the price, £35 million, it's just an absolute steal, really. And when you look around at what other clubs are going to be paying for other players, I know we were in for Mason Mount. A lot of people wanted us to be getting him. I wasn't so sure myself. And at 70 or £80 million being touted around for him that United are potentially going to pay, I mean, it's a bit of a no-brainer going for McAllister instead. I think the only thing mounts really got over him is um i mean the fact he's homegrown and he's played in the premier league a bit longer but it's not like McAllister's unproven in the premier league and i think 35 million pounds for a proven premier league player is you know it's, it's as good a bargain as you're going to get in this market i think
2: oh, absolutely i'm i know i was i thought you were pondering vigorously there over my question but it turns out you were just you just froze um we were just discussing the Alexis McAllister, twenty-four years old, twelve goals from the, from from the midfield area. I mean, it, we've been lacking that. He's wearing the number ten shirt, but we've been lacking that kind of um, uh, the goal input from midfield since. Well, I would I would imagine since Coutinho, really, haven't we? So to know that he's a hard worker, he's a grafter, he's tough. Uh, he can deliver goals. He can deliver assists as well. It's a great it's a great sign to start off with, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it ticks so many boxes, doesn't it? It's one of those that I think you can get excited about straight away. As Ed says, he's already proven in the Premier League. He's, he's ready to come in and, and hit the ground running. I think that was hugely important. I think that the way that Liverpool have set up in terms of, of their system recently, in terms of the last sort of what, 10, 12 games of, of last season, you needed someone to take over really from Jordan Henderson in that kind of more attacking, creative position. A good number of those goals that he scored last season were from penalties, but there's no reason why he can't take a couple of penalties for Liverpool in a better team. You know, with better players around him, I'm sure you know that the goals and the assists will be able to to increase as well. So yeah, it's it's a bit of a change of emphasis, isn't it? In midfield, we've not seen a player of that kind really. Um, I think Curtis Jones has the potential to kind of grow into something like that, but with McAllister, it's a bit more. Guaranteed, I would think, in terms of his fitness. I think he has only missed one game through injury for for Brighton since he's been there. So that's obviously a big thing. And yeah, it's it's one that I'm really interested to see exactly where he plays. I think we we think of him kind of as a, a number ten, kind of a, attacking midfielder. I think he can play a little bit deeper as well. I think that's probably a big thing for for Liverpool. That's something they've always looked at with their midfielders. You think of you know when Alden kind of came in as this creative player and was molded into something else, but. He's just got, you know, a brilliant skill set, does all of the things that we needed. And he's not going to be the only midfield signing this summer. There's got to be one or two more uh, at the least to, to kind of sort that out. But yeah, to, to get him done, you get that out of the way, you move on to the next one. And I think by the time next season kicks off, that the hype will start to, to build. I think I think it's around 60 days or so until the, the start of, of next season. Um, so not, not too long for, for that hype to build. But I think, you know, we're going to see... A lot more changes in this preseason which is, is going to be really interesting I'm, I'm already looking forward to preseason which certainly wasn't the case last summer i was ready for a bit more of a break i think this time it's going to be a little bit different
2: yeah and as you said uh the first of a couple of signings, obviously liverpool are earmarking ed um uh kone uh, kefron toram um also i mean moses uh, casedo there could be a bid for him as well he's he's going to be probably twice the price of uh, MacArthur, which sounds ridiculous, but um, they are looking at uh, uh obviously strengthening that midfield more as well. Uh, Nicola Barella, as well, who I would love to see, and also as well. I heard that uh, a, a late or a, a recent bid for Tushimani, uh, which has been rejected, uh, which was for uh, 80 oh, um, 60 million, I think it was, just been uh, just been rejected by Real Madrid. He really wants Tushimani, doesn't he? He wants them. Before the start of last season, Ed, he's he, he's, he's desperate to sign that play. but it looks like someone at Real Madrid are going to have him, um, uh, Valverde, and uh, Jude Bellingham in midfield. That's that's some midfield, mate, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think you can add... Uh, I know he's played left-back a lot this last season, but you can add Camavinga in there as well. I think, you know, it is the definition of an embarrassment of riches that Real Madrid midfield now and... Whether they'll be willing to let too many go, I think if they were if they were going to let one of them go, I think it probably would be too many or Valverde, from what we've heard. Obviously, Liverpool have been in for Valverde before, and I think they were told in no uncertain terms to uh, go away. Um, whether that'd be the same this summer, who knows? Obviously, like you say, another bid for too many. Klopp really, obviously, really wanted him last summer. Didn't get him in, and sort of did um, what they'd done with Van Dijk, where they, they didn't just go out and buy another player, they wanted to wait for the right man and they thought they were waiting for Jude Bellingham, obviously. He's now gone to Real Madrid as well, so, I mean, he must just must just be a bit frustrating for him. Uh, all of his ideal midfield targets getting picked off by Madrid, but, for me, I, I'm not sure I can see us getting two or many this summer. I think Kone and Turam, who you mentioned, far more realistic. Obviously, I think Barella would be, would certainly would have been my dream signing going into this summer, but I'm not sure you'll pry him away from Inter Milan now, with how well they've done this season. Um, And yeah, Kone and Turam seem seem like they could be players that Liverpool could get in more for around that McAllister price, a bit cheaper than you know the seventy or eighty million it'd take to get a Barella or a Mount. And you know, Turam in particular, I mean, he's six foot three, and when you watch him play, he's he's got that little bit of. I don't. I I don't want to set my sights too high but he, he's got a bit of yaya tori a bit of like patrick vieira about him you know he's, he's big he's physical but he can also carry the ball really well he's so graceful on the ball and i just think that kind of physicality is exactly what we're sort of lacking in, in the liverpool midfield at the moment and i think he'd slot in really well so of, of those names we sort of mentioned i think i think Coney, uh, not Coney, sorry um Kone and turam are probably the two that are most likely and out of those two i, th- I think turam sort of the one I, i'd be leaning towards Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel
2: Yeah, it's interesting and a little bit frustrating, isn't it, Matt? That um, I guess we move on now. I mean, the Jude Bellingham thing was something that we were all sort of salivating over the idea of, and then it suddenly all went into the wind. And then, and then when you when, when you're reading stories of Madrid paying eighty-six million for them and whether that's just an initial payment and there's more to come, or his personal terms are sky high, Liverpool did say that they offered them really good personal terms uh he wanted to come here we wanted him i i know i i know we we should be moving on from it but it's just an interesting one you'd expect in madrid to be paying a hell of a lot more and, and 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 um than 86 million or 100 million euros but if it is just an initial payment then then i'd like to see just how much we probably will never know but i'd like to see just how much deprives them away because it all seemed set to go didn't it and then suddenly you know it all went sideways and um He's a generational player and, and and no doubt would have been amazing for us. But I guess Liverpool's thinking is if he gets injured, they've spent a lot of money on one player. Getting McAllister for that price, um, sort of, you can kind of understand why they want to go for two or three, uh, not just to bolster what we're letting go, but just because we have been struggling with injuries and, and it's kind of knackered up the season. So still, it's a mouthwatering amount of money for, for Madrid to pay, isn't it, considering we could afford that?
0: Yeah, I think, I think Liverpool in an, any normal sort of season, if if the midfield hadn't have been left for as long as what it had, that that's the frustration, I think, for me, is that I kind of get the reasoning and the justification of if you can get McAllister plus two other players for a similar sort of fee, and it's the same overall that you've spent compared to what you would have spent on Duke Bellingham, you can kind of say, yeah, you know, Liverpool need it. They're, they're losing midfielders. They've, you know, not, not done enough in, in the last couple of summers. But at the same time, it is... It is their own fault, isn't it? Ultimately, they chose not to sign a midfielder last summer. That's why they've backed themselves into a corner and they've got to, to get it right this summer. That's. You know, it's not to say that I'm not excited by McAllister or some of the other links that have, have been there. I think you know, there, there will be, I'm sure there will be interest in conan in and to around them players like that because they have got high ceilings. They're kind of more typical Liverpool signings where you bring them in and, and develop them. I think you know, the, the frustration for me with Bellingham, like you say, that the price doesn't sound completely ridiculous in terms of what Liverpool are going to need to to spend this summer generally it's probably you know that they're going to have to spend more money than that obviously they'll get more players for that but it's kind of a a bit of a missed opportunity I think that that we don't know exactly how it is that it's unfolded maybe even if Liverpool had got the the last two summers they bought too many and they bought you know another midfielder before that and they could have gone into this summer with the midfield set and Jude Bellingham was the icing on the cake maybe even then he would have said look I really want to go to Real Madrid they've put down more wages they've decided X, Y and Z they've enticed me I think you can kind of accept it a little bit more then but I think the frustration really for me is that Liverpool f- through basically their own fault have, have kind of taught themselves out of that race I think there was you know, like you say a genuine chance that they could have could have enticed him they were, ended up having to go out and, and get two or three players in his place and it might work out. It might be that, you know, in five or six years' time, Bellingham can then make the move to England. He's, he's still young enough that he could become a Liverpool target again in the future. But, yeah, I think I'm pretty certain he'll be a real star for Real Madrid next season. And I'm pretty sure that Liverpool will look at it and just wonder if they'd have done a little bit more work in the past. It could have maybe been for them.
2: Yeah, it is frustrating, is it? it? does seem like we dropped the ball a little bit there. Yeah. Um... Other signings, perhaps. I mean, we're talking about the midfield. What about this ongoing situation there of of this right back cover? Um, I don't I know um uh, Calvin Ramsey obviously was brought in to 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 go, but that but hasn't really featured, got injured, had an operation that, that he needed anyway. But um you you'd imagine that with this situation now with Trent wandering into midfield, that we need to get some sort of right back cover there. And and it's a big headache for Klopp, I guess, isn't it, to decide whether or not he does that right back thing, and then we have to rely on on Canate or someone running across to cover, or whether we just he just says no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play Trent in midfield, but I can't see that happening. Can you? He, he he seems to like this idea of the of the fluidity of moving them from right back in, which means we desperately need a right back to cover, don't we? Surely.
1: Yeah, I, I actually, well, I wasn't too sold on us needing to to get a right back going into the summer. I, I certainly wouldn't have had it as one of the priorities. I thought three midfielders and a centre back before you start looking anywhere else, really, but. When you see that Bayern Munich are selling Pavard, it, it does just make you think. I mean, he's he's a proven right back. He's he's won. I mean, I know the Bundesliga. Bayern tend to win it, tend to walk it. Really, at this point, but you know he's he's won Bundesliga titles. I, th- I believe he was in the World Cup winning squad with France. Um, scored an amazing goal that World Cup actually, um, and I think I think he'd fit in all right at Liverpool. I, it all depends on how much are we expecting to see this 3 325 system whatever you want to call it with trent slotting into into midfield next season are we going to see a return to the 433 obviously really struggled with it at points last season and this this 325 has seemed to bring with it you know a, a, an upturn in form and certainly in trent alexander arnold's form i mean just being able to get him on the ball in those kind of half spaces in the midfield it's, it made a world of difference and for my money, there's, there's nobody apart from Kevin De Bruyne in the league, really, who can do what he does when he's in those positions. So I think there's definitely an argument to be made that Liverpool should be going out and looking at a right-back cover. I don't think Calvin Ramsey's um, quite got it in him yet to be providing that. I think he's only, only made a couple of appearances, obviously been um, really impacted by injury since he's joined. I just don't think we've any of us have really seen enough of him in a Liverpool shirt to decide on whether he is good enough to provide backup for Trent Alexander-Arnold. So, like I say, I, I don't think it would be one of my priorities, certainly. Um, even though we have now got McAllister in, I'd still be looking for more midfielders and a centre-back, like I say. But maybe maybe going out and, and getting a player like... I mean, Yuri and Timber, I think he, could, he can play right-back and centre-back. Maybe somebody who can do a bit of both and sort of ticks both boxes um, of both centre-back and right-back. But... Yeah, it's certainly an interesting one to ponder, and it was de- definitely um, made more interesting by the fact that you know Bayern are so open to so open to selling a, a right back of of Pavard's quality.
2: Well, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, Bayern have put seven players on the transfer list. I think, and of course, one of them being Sadio Mane. He hasn't worked out from there. The number ten shirt's gone for him, and and it, obviously to and fro, and, uh, on all social media platforms about whether Liverpool would get a player like that back. Uh, Newcastle are sniffing around. It'd be horrible to see him in a different shirt, wouldn't it? It'd just be like, it's the old adage in it of seeing your ex-girlfriend with a new boyfriend. You'd be like, you're a bit fuming because you don't ever want to see Sadio Mane in a different shirt playing against you. But it's it's that one, isn't it, Matt, for you? Is it, you know, he was great, but he's not, he wouldn't be coming back to a team that he would that he fitted into as well as that? Or would he adapt? Is it even worth thinking about bringing someone like that back into the fold? And is it something the club would even do in the first place, Matt?
0: No, I think the the time has passed. I think it's easy to kind of think of, of Sadio Mane at his peak, isn't it? And think that that would be the player that you've brought back. But I think there's there's enough evidence there now to think that, OK, the, the last six months at Liverpool was was excellent, obviously, as they went for the quadruple. But I think you know the, the 12, 18 months prior to that, he wasn't particularly brilliant. He's had a season now where he had a big injury, missed the World Cup, obviously he hasn't really had a game for, for Bayern. They've had a couple of different managers and he's not been picked, but... Yeah, I, I'm pretty certain that there's absolutely no chance of, of that happening in terms of of Liverpool, but it will be interesting to see. I think from what I've read around, sort of the the Mane story at Bayern, is he he quite fancies staying there and, and seeing if he can make it work next season. So maybe that is still an option for him. But I think you know th- there would be there would be Premier League interest. I'm sure I've seen Manchester United's name being linked. I think that would be would be would be horrible to see that again. I'm not quite sure I can see that happening. To be honest, I think. It would certainly be interesting to see where you know he'd end up, but I don't think there's there's any obvious place for him to go. I mean, he's he's obviously done the Premier League with a couple of different clubs. He's gone to Bayern, and it's not quite worked out. I'm not quite sure I can really see him in 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 another league. I don't know I don't know where he would go next, but yeah, in terms of, of Liverpool, I'm pretty sure that that won't happen. And to be honest, I'm I'm not that concerned about buying another forward. I know Roberto Firmino is leaving, and you know, they obviously signed Cody Gakpo to, to kind of replace him, but I think for me that the ideal summer is kind of three midfielders, one being obviously McAllister, plus two more, and and then as Ed says, like a, a kind of versatile-ish centre back that can maybe do a bit of fullback as well. I think you know anything anything more than four players this summer, I think starts to sound a little bit unrealistic. But we'll see what happens. But I think that would uh, that certainly be uh, where my money would be going if well if I had anything
2: like that money. So do you think with that being said, Ed then, what that's just the point and the point you raised before as well, do you think that th- there's a likelihood that Klopp wants to get three midfielders in? And of course, Fabinho seemed to be turning his form around a little bit better. Uh, he had a horrible season by his own standards, but uh, he seemed to get a little bit more bite uh, towards the end of the season. Do you think it's a possibility then that, that Klopp is trying to revert back to the, uh, to the, to the, uh, the four at the back? Um, because that bombing on, Seems to have been worked out, doesn't it, by a lot of teams? And and um, he has a real dilemma with Trent, doesn't he? Because it did his form did upturn when 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 he started moving around into that cent- into the central midfield position. He was assisting really well, scoring goals as well. But there was that gap at the back, wasn't it? That we got that was exploited by pretty much every team that came to, to 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 play against us. So it's a dilemma for Klopp, isn't it? Whether he gets these, whether he gets his three midfielders, one down, two to go. And whether he gets them and then you've got Fabinho, you've got Thiago as well, and whether or not he thinks, well, you know, I'm going to revert back because I feel like I've got that cover in midfield now that was partly the reason why they were getting caught out. So it's, it's a dilemma, isn't it, whether he does that three at the back and lets Trent forward uh, or he, or he, or he uh, puts him in the back four again and and, and tries, to, uh, tries to do it with the three new midfield players.
1: Yeah, I, I think if we get three midfielders in this summer, then I, I would expect to see him um, sort of reverting back to that four-three-three. I, I think, like you say, it just mean plenty more more cover in the midfield if there is an injury. You know. if we could let, let's say we go into it with, you know, Fabinho, Bicecchi, Tiago, Henderson, McAllister, obviously, and then if we got Kone and Turam in mean, as well, Curtis Jones filling in as well, obviously, Harvey Elliott can play the midfield. I think that would be. In enough midfield cover that he could confidently go into the season saying that we are going to play the four three three for the season. Whether he's been convinced enough by that upturn in form sort of the last nine games or so of the season, ever since that Arsenal draw where he, he deployed Trent in that role, really, whether that's been enough to convince him that, you know, this is the system we're gonna play going forward. Obviously it's a system that Manchester City have had a lot of success with this season, with John Stones sort of playing that role. So whether he thinks it's something Liverpool can play in the long run or not, I guess we'll see in sort of the first five games of next season. But it's, it's interesting whether whether he does get in three midfielders or if he just gets two in. Because with bringing McAllister in, I think everybody focuses on what he can do going forward. And obviously, like you say, got 12 goals for Brighton last season. But Jurgen Klopp, um, in his uh, little blurb, he's spoken about him uh, for the signing, said, you know, this guy can do it all. And, the lads on analyzed and Anfield were was speaking about his defensive recovery numbers earlier you know he he's not just um some slight technical midfielder he's, he's not just coming in to be sort of a creative force he can he can be a workhorse as well and he can do it on the defensive end so whether Jurgen Klopp gets him in and thinks this guy can sort of do it all i might only need one other midfielder and then i can focus on a centre back a right back maybe bringing in a forward whether we need one of those i'm not sure but, yeah, it's, it's certainly going to be an interesting one. And for, for my money, I, I think we will see him revert back to the 4-3-3. But if if he does start with that 3 5 depending on who we signed, I mean, I certainly wouldn't be upset with it. Because, as we said, Liverpool played some of their better football towards the back end of the season in that system. And Trent Alexander-Arnold just looked
2: unbeatable in it. Yeah, absolutely. There was a little thing I read this morning of a, a late... A late hijack that didn't quite work off for Liverpool of Marco Asensio um on his way from Real Madrid to PSG and, and uh Klopp's been a long time admirer of Asensio And he, I mean the, the, the actual honors he's won as a player of Real Madrid are ridiculous, but supposedly uh the, the news item I read this morning was that it was um it was scuppered because we don't get we didn't get Champions League and he wants to play Champions League. He's used to Champions League, and because we only got the Europa League, it's not gonna happen. But he's another player and I, I feel like up front. We're not too bad, mate. We've got we've got the coverage there. I mean, and I, I know he's he, he's an interesting player, Essentio, but it wasn't someone that I, that I thought in what Klopp's hands you now would have fitted fitted in. But I know he can be a winger as well. But we kind of got that covered. I mean, I think Gak, Gakpo will prove himself to be a great player. He, he's already had a great season. Um, but it seemed like a strange one, doesn't he? You don't know what, whether this is just nonsense agent talk. But Marco a great player, but um, you wonder where he would have fitted in if you could have tried tried to nick him.
0: Yeah, he can do a bit of, of midfield-type bits as well, can't he? As well as playing out on the on the, the right-hand side. But, yeah, I think the, the wages probably would have come into that as well. I, I'm not entirely sure what he's on between Real Madrid and, and PSG, but I would imagine it's, it's probably quite quite a lot of, of money. So I think that's probably one that maybe doesn't have a great element of truth to it. I think you know there is, there, there is something, though, in that kind of, again, it, it, we're talking about a versatile player, a player who can play a couple of different positions. I think... That's something that we've seen Jurgen Klopp target plenty of times. I think you know you look at a couple of the other midfield options, you think of, of Kone and a couple of players like that. Again, they can play maybe as a holding midfielder and maybe a bit more of a, a box-to-box as well. It's, it, it, it is it is a tough balance, I think, in terms of, of picking out which bits of, of this Liverpool team do improve. How do you supplement them? But if you can get maybe a McAllister and a Kone into that midfield, it's kind of... Obviously, they can only play one position at once, so it's not sort of two-in-one in that sense, but it gives you a little bit more of a versatility in terms of the formation or you've got different options that can come in. And I just think that's, that, that is something that Liverpool clearly are looking at again you don't want to sort of frame it as as a kind of that they're doing the cheap option or, or they're going about it in in that sort of way it's it, it's more i think a, a clever way of, of doing it in terms of you know if you can get a player that can do two different bits and maybe can split his minutes across a couple of different positions you kind of just spread out that benefit but yeah i, I think i think there's the there's loads of midfield options that can kind of do that. We're not quite sure in terms of the defensive options that can do that, but I'm sure you know over the next couple of weeks or so, there'll be a couple of players that kind of emerge. I think that's got to be a priority as well. But wherever it is, I do think it's really interesting that we're talking about, you know, can they get a centre-back that can play right-back? Can they get a midfielder that can maybe cover Salah as well? I think that's definitely something to watch out for in this transfer window.
2: Poetry in
1: Motion on the Blood Red Channel.
2: Well, he's always been a he's always been favourable, hasn't he? Klopp he likes versatility, he likes to be able to move players around, he likes players that can do more than one role, doesn't he? So it, it, it would seem that that would be the case. Um, it's going to be an interesting time for um, Darwin Nunez, isn't it? Because he's still a player that we all want desperately to succeed, um, and his figures weren't too bad. But he, but obviously, when you when you look at the chances to to, to conversion ratio, they're, they're pretty poor, aren't they? So it's going to be them ones where he's gone from a starting player to on the bench coming on as need to try and affect games. It's going to be an interesting to see if he can, if he can really fit into the side in the upcoming season, is it? Cause we've got, you know, we've got Diaz there. We've got Salah, obviously, um, Jota, Gakpo. Um, it is an interesting lineup in the front, isn't it? But Darwin Nunez just feel, it feels like he needs to, he needs to bed himself in, doesn't he? And really take his chances. And, and um, uh, it's almost like he, he, he gets overawed by the occasion, doesn't it? And he's so passionate and uh, I think every red is hoping and praying that he that he settles down and he can really make a name for himself on this side because he's a dangerous player, isn't he?
1: Yeah, I think he could do with um, having a good preseason. Really, Nunes. I mean, I hesitate to pay too much attention to preseason usually, but I mean, I don't. I don't think many fans would have him in their front in the starting front three right now. I think you know Diaz is shooing on the left, obviously Salah on the right, and. I think Gakpo and Jota are probably both ahead of him in the pecking order down the middle. Um, Jota probably still ahead of him in the pecking order on the left as well. Maybe Gakpo, because we know he can play there. So it's a difficult one for him, really. He's gone from being the only real bright spark in the Liverpool team at, at points over uh, over the winter period, especially, you know, on, on podcasts. He was sort of the only thing we really had to speak about was the amount of chances he was creating, you know, how entertaining he was to watch. And I think... A lot of people were tuning into games purely just to see him at a point. And then now you look at it after certainly after the the switch of system um, with the with Trent moving into midfield, you know, you thought that'd be the kind of thing he'd have needed um, with Trent Alexander Arnold finally starting to get some assists again. Maybe you could get on the score sheet a few more times, but it sort of coincided with him having a bit of a spell out of the team. Obviously there's been a couple little injuries, had cuts on his ankle, things like that that have kept him out the side at inopportune times, really. And, yeah, I I think it's going to be a big season for him. Hopefully he can, you know, show something in in pre-season that might get him a bit closer to being in that uh, starting front three for Jurgen Klopp, because right now I I don't think uh, if everybody's fit then that he will be starting on the opening day wherever Liverpool are playing. Um, And, yeah, I I think it's going to be a really, really big season for him. Personally, I I still think I'm holding out hope that he is going to have a big season. He's sort of going to explode, and you know him and Trent are finally going to develop that connection. But it, it sort of remains to be seen yet. And you know when he he's doing little things, you know messing up when he's dribbling doesn't doesn't quite look comfortable on the ball at times. It all just makes it even harder for him. When you know Jota obviously came back and wasn't clicking for two months, but really hit his stride towards the end of the season. Cody Gakpo's come in and, and been really good since he came in 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 January and. Darwin Nunes just ha- hasn't quite hasn't quite found his feet yet in a Liverpool shirt. And, yeah, like I say, it, it's, it's going to be a big pre-season for him. Hopefully and can get himself in Jurgen Klopp's plans and then hopefully he kicks on this season, can get 15, 20 goals in the league. You know, I think Europa League will be a really good, comf- uh, really good competition for us to be using him in, get him some confidence. Obviously, he did really well in Europe for Benfica. So, yeah, like I said, big season ahead for him and hopefully he can get himself back sort of in and among that starting front three.
2: Yeah, the frustrating thing, Matt, is that he seems more comfortable as a left-winger, doesn't he? He seems to... He, he, that seems to be the role that he enjoys going down the way, which, of course, is where Diaz is. So we have this kind of embarrassment to riches there. But when he goes centre, when he goes up front as the lone man, he seem, it seems to just be a little bit of panic mode, doesn't it? And, and yet, when he drifts out wide on the left-hand side, he's skinning people for fun, knocking the ball across to other people. Great provider, certainly. But he just... I think he just it may just be a lack of experience moving into that center and, and, and being the last man on the ball rather than trying to create. And if we can try and if we can try and get more confidence and be that last man in the box, uh, rather than, you know, uh, rather than sort of skinning down a wing, cause he's not going to get much of a chance to do that. If Diaz stays fit, he needs to try and convert him, doesn't he? Which is, uh, well, he's done it before in the past Klopp. And that's, I think, where we will find, uh, the best, the best sort of, um, talent of, of Darwin Nunes, if he can convert himself to a central attacker?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's played there plenty of, of times in the past. He, he did a, a little bit of, of stuff off the left for Benfica, but generally, you know, he, he was playing as a centre forward he did when he was on loan for a, a season in Spain and, and scored loads of goals as well. And I think I think that the Diaz thing, obviously Diaz missed a, a lot of, of last season, Jota did as well. And it kind of put a lot of pressure, I think. He obviously arrived for a big sum of money, potentially could be, you know, a club record fee. You see in comparisons with, obviously, City get Erling Haaland and there's all the, the kind of pressures, really. He kind of looked at certain points of last season where he'd have a chance and he'd just snatch at it or he'd, he'd make a, a poor decision or a poor touch. It, it just looked like he was, was really feeling that pressure of, of that price tag. And I think it could have been, you know, different we shouldn't forget as well I mean he scored 15 goals and it wasn't like a a disaster of a season for him he did he did you know a decent sort of sum of of goals for for Liverpool last season I just think you know if you've got Diaz and, and Jota fit for the full season you've got a proper midfield behind him he's not going to play every single week and I don't think he'd be in my kind of first choice if the Champions League final was tomorrow would he be playing for Liverpool in it I don't think from the start necessarily. I think Cody Gappo has has done enough to, to be ahead of him and, and Diogo Jota as well. I think I'd play him through the middle before before Darwin Nunes. But I just think there's the second season is always easier. The the pattern with his previous clubs has always been that he's took a year to settle and then it's kind of come good for him that the following season he kind of exploded at Benfica in the second year, but the first year was, you know, all right, but but not particularly anything special. I think you know that the, the sort of set up for him is is there if liverpool can keep their other forward options fit i think he might play a few less minutes but it maybe helps him in the sense of it's not all on him at times it was all on him to, to go and, and score those goals salah was having a bit of a downward turn a couple of players are injured and suddenly he's the the new man that everyone's turning to and, and hoping and i just think if if liverpool can keep the other players fit around him it just takes that little bit of a an edge off the chances that he does get he doesn't feel that he has to score he can maybe kind of play himself into a, a little bit of form so yeah I'm, I'm not worried about him yet but if he has another season like he did maybe this time next year then I might be might be starting to get a little bit concerned but right now I think there's there's plenty of, of potential there still to be unlocked and I think he's he's still only 23 isn't he so he's he's still you know a really really young player he's come to a new country he's took a bit of time to adapt but I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm fairly confident that it'll come good.
2: Yeah, me too, mate. In in Darwin, we trust. Um, another player that seemed to be a shadow of his former self many times during the season was it uh, was uh, by his own huge standards was of course Van Dijk, and I think I I just had this feeling that that he hadn't quite recovered um, from. Of course, he came back from a massive ACR ACR ACL injury, sorry, and then he got injured again, didn't he? So. He looked a bit blowy at times, didn't he? And you feel like this, this, this rest between seasons and 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 getting himself back together. Fingers crossed, we could have a we could have a, a Virgil Van Dijk, who, by the way, you know, on a bad day he's not only a six or a seven, he. But he did seem to be um, seem blowing a bit. Seemed to be uh, a little bit lacking in fitness. So hopefully, uh, close season and moving into the uh, the pre season schedule, he's he, he's had a bit of a rest, and of course, you know, the the, the quadruple. Um, sort of hangover, the, the as well will be will be gone, and a fresh season for him, and, and we could be seeing um, something like the Virgil Van Dijk we used to see in Eds, and that will make a huge different difference. difference won't it because Liverpool presumably will start playing that higher line again, and we and if he's back to what I think is full fitness, and what he what looks like full fitness, he he he'll he'll make a huge difference.
1: Yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting one to see what he looks like actually um, in those first first few games back in the Premier League uh, next season, given. You know, once he's had a, a bit of a break and, like you say, got a full preseason and hopefully got fully fit. Because there's there's part of me thinks he he might have just lost a yard, and while that that's not going to be killer for a player of of, of his quality, you know, you, you look at that 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 can, that can be. A, re- a really, really significant thing for a player's career. I mean, Joe Gomez lost the yard of pace and hasn't hasn't really ever been the same player that uh, we saw partnering Van Dyke that year. We won the title. Obviously, you, you think of like, Torres over the years. Got a couple injuries, lost that yard of pace, and we sold him to Chelsea when he was on the decline for fifty odd million. Um, and it's yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to see whether Van Dyke has just has just lost the yard. I I, I think he's good enough to get away with having lost a yard but you know I saw, even things like i saw a video on twitter earlier of um that champions league final against spurs when son runs through when he's he's running at full pelt and van dyke sort of takes a second slows himself and then accelerates clears the ball and it's like i I'm just not sure he's quite got that in his legs anymore and you know i mean that's that's no ridiculous criticism because at the time he was the best center back i think any of us thought we'd ever seen and just because he doesn't return to to those heights doesn't mean he can't still be an absolute stalwart in that liverpool defense for for you know at least a few more years to come out I, I don't think we necessarily need to start planning for life without van dyke this summer that that's going to become a reality you know maybe if he gets another injury in january or maybe next summer we'll start looking at really replacing you know a player of his caliber but we've got canate coming through if if we can sign like we said a, a another centre-back sort of young up and coming i know mickey van der ven's been linked i think he's only 20 22 23 from wolfsburg if we can bring someone in like him to be sort of a bit of an understudy and you know learn from w- one of the best that there has been in van dyke i think you know i think he's still got Many, many valuable things he can he can contribute to this side, um, and you know the primary one of those being just his outstanding centre back play. And even if he has lost a yard, I, I think he'll he'll still be, um, you know, I'm ex- I'm expecting a, him to have a bit of a bounce back season, really, because like you say, not had the best of seasons, looked a bit blowy at times. And once he's fully fit and back raring to go, hopefully we'll see him back to something like the form that we we know he can hit motion
2: on the blood red channel yeah it's interesting isn't it matt because um there is a position there isn't a the centre-back that we we need cover i think don't we i mean we've got van dyke we've got Kanate, uh we've got Matip, I and mean, we've got gomez and then and then we start going down the ranks then don't we To but i think we need a, a quality cover there don't we i think just in case i so, know obviously the midfield is the priority but it, if and if something does happen to Kanate, something does happen to Van Dijk, we're suddenly in that struggle again, and it? it'll be te- it would be an absolute nightmare if we balance a midfield, pay a few quid for the midfield for this for the next season, then suddenly I've, I've 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 overlooked, you know, an important key area that we need backup in. So that could be one we need to look at as well, couldn't we? And is there anyone out there? I know Ed's mentioned a couple of anyone out there you fancy uh that we, we need to be maybe looking at to try and cover and and build on the future as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's as much of a priority, I think, for me in terms of you know midfield and, and defense. I think that there's, there's a definite need to, to sort that out because, like you say, you don't want to happen next season what happened last season with the midfield, and suddenly they're panicking at the end of it and trying to get people in on loan, and you, you just want to get that sorted. You know, Matic has only got a year left on his contract, and I don't think he had a great season, to be honest. I think he looked he kind of looked his age, which I think is is probably telling that both him and and Van Dijk are kind of at that end the end but the the kind of latter stages of the career where you're not quite sure you know when that drop-off is is going to come obviously Joe Gomez has still in theory got his peak years ahead of him but again we've not quite seen the best of him for for a little while now so I think for me it's it's one defender this summer and then probably one next summer as well it's 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 a case of you know trying to pick out who that is it's it's difficult there's there's not been loads of, of names linked I think Mickey van der Ven is one that kind of makes sense in terms of the age and the profile. And he looks very, very quick. I, I don't know a great deal about him other than that, to be honest. But he does look like one that possibly could be on the cards for Liverpool. I think, you know, th- there's lots of of young, up-and-coming defenders that you'd look at. But, you know, Gvardiol, for example, at, at Leipzig, I think is is probably like the, the one that most of, of the big teams will look at. But how much is he going to cost you? I mean, I think he's got... Similar sort of release clause to what Real Madrid are going to end up paying for for Bellingham, it's it's kind of 100 million euros or, or so. Can you see Liverpool going out and spending that sort of money? Maybe not. I think they might have to to be a little bit cleverer with with who they come and and look at and identify. Similar to be fair to, to what they did with Canate a couple of years ago, he was was one that maybe had been overlooked by some other clubs. But I think you know it's it's clear to see that he has got that got that level of, of quality immediately, but also the the ceiling for the future as well. So th- there's no kind of obvious name, I don't think, in terms of, of who Liverpool will go for at this moment in time. I think maybe the, the priority first is get two or three midfielders in and, and then look at it. But yeah, I'd be, I'd be very, very concerned if Liverpool got to the end of this summer and they were just with the same four centre-backs as what they were last season. Because again, you're just making it look, you know, next summer, Matip, I think, if he doesn't go this year, we will definitely go next year where his contract goes. You're then looking at maybe having to do two in one window and, and solve all of your issues at once. It, it just makes so much more sense to spread that out and you know, get someone in now, bed them in before they're absolutely needed. And then, you know, in 12 months' time, they can go on and, and become the next Van Dyke. But yeah, who that is, I'm not too sure, but I'm sure Liverpool will have lists and they've certainly got a, a much better idea of, of their scouting than, than I do. But it will be interesting. I'm pretty sure that they will look at doing something this summer.
2: Yeah, let's hope so. Uh, in regards to the preseason, is it Germany and Singapore? I'm not really sure what the schedule is. I know they've got, I think, the due July the 19th or something like that. Is the is one of the preseason? And I know they're playing Leicester. And uh, do, do Ed or Matt? You know any kind of schedule for the preseason?
0: Uh, yeah, you're testing my memory now off the uh, the top of my head. As, as we record this, it's a month today until uh, preseason. So by the time people are listening to this, just a little bit short of of that. But um, yeah, the, the, they've swapped it round, haven't they? They've sort of prioritised the uh, the fitness element of things. There was a couple of injury issues that they had last season because of the commercial element, I think, came first. I think it's the other way round to what it was then. So it, it's everything that you want to hear, really. They're putting, you know, the, the welfare and the, the condition and the fitness of the players ahead of, of everything else. I think it's, it's also massively important this season. I think, you know, last season, we, we didn't really know what the impact of the World Cup was going to be in the middle of the season. Liverpool had obviously just come back from Paris in the Champions League final. It felt like as soon as they got back, they were then back in pre season. They've actually had a you know a proper holiday. I know there's, you know, international games coming up this week and a few of the players will maybe be a little bit later back for, for pre season training than than what they would have liked in an ideal world. But it just looks like a normal year. I can't remember the last time there was a normal year. We had COVID, we've had World Cups in mad places, we've had, you know, all sorts of, of different things to contend with, but Yeah, they've settled on pre-season in terms of it being the right order for what they think is best for the players there's none of the uh the the disruptions that they've had in previous seasons and they've got an absolute full summer to to build up to that first game so in theory at least that the conditions are are ideal um and yeah it's it's needed really when we're talking about needing four players five players maybe to come in in the transfer market they've obviously lost a lot of players as well i think you know, if if you're gonna have a bit of a transformation within the squad, you need to do that in a year where there is enough time to to bet all of those players in. So yeah, I think they are they are well set up and yeah, we're only what four four weeks or so less than than four weeks by the time people are listening to this, away from sort of it all kicking off again and, and the countdown to I think is it the, the 9th of August, the first game of, of next season. So yeah, it's uh, it's not too far away.
2: It's encouraging isn't it it's because we've just the McAllister signing is very encouraging isn't it it's early it's done it's in the bag you can relax go on holiday and then join up with the team another couple more i've said all that all last season i feel so much of last season was down to was down to just the the, the, the agony of the quadruple and uh, uh the hangover and also just the amount of work that some of the key players have put in over the last few seasons and just a decent rest and a couple of signings away, I think, from really fighting again. And 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 McAllister's a great start, isn't he? And and fingers crossed with that rest, uh, Ed. We will be back in business. And and um, uh, and even you know the likes of Fabinho, who, was, who said before, played himself back in. We've got Pichetis to come back. Um, it's a positive thing, isn't it? It's a positive. Yet yeah, the season didn't go as well as we managed to get. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, the Champions League uh, obviously evaded us, but the Europa League looked like a distant opportunity at some point during the season, is not it? So you know, bouncing back and and this is exactly the kind of start we needed to get someone who can who I really think is going to make a difference in that midfield and then build on that and then we're back in business, mate, aren't we?
1: Yeah, if, if I'm honest, I, I was looking forward to this break uh, a lot more before the, the last 10 games of the season happened because we, we actually had quite a good end to the season, really. I mean, Liverpool, they were sort of back to that challenging Man City form of winning eight, nine games in a row, you know, going unbeaten, 10 games in a row in the Premier League and i think i think it was a really really positive end to the season for for pretty much everyone involved with the club maybe maybe not like a darwin nunes someone like that who didn't really feature too much and sort of fell out the side but yeah i think it's it's been a, a very much like you say a, a deserved break these these players have worked their absolute tails off over the last few years and you know i don't want to make too many excuses for this last season because a lot of what we saw wasn't really good enough at times but like you say there's a bit of a quadruple hangover. They've put in so much work and, you know, so, so long as they come back fighting and ready and, and they they look pretty good at the start of this season, I think a lot of people, you know, last season will, it's already fading in, in the memory of a lot of fans, I would imagine. And I think a nice, good start to the next Premier League season. And everybody will have absolutely forgotten about every, all, all the lows from this season. And th- there have been a lot of lows, but I mean, there were plenty of highs as well. I mean, obviously the, um, the 7-0 against United. I, mean, I think we'll all be uh, be remembering that one for quite some time. But, yeah, a, a, a very well-needed break, a, a well-needed rest for, you know, like you say, the likes of Van Dijk, a, a Fabinho, a Bicetic. Really looking forward to seeing what he does um, this next season, sort of filling in for Fabinho. Hopefully, we don't have to rely on him quite so much that he'll end up getting, you know, stress fractures again, uh, you know, with him only being 18 years old. I think we just just played too much football last year. I think we asked a bit too much of him, but yeah, with a few more midfielders in, obviously McAllister's already through the door. Hopefully we can get at least uh, one or two more in. I think it'll be, um, hopefully it'll be a, a positive start to the season and hopefully we can be right back up there challenging Man City again. And, you know, I think the Europa League presents a, a, a really good, really good opportunity for us to, to go out and win some silverware next year. We, we I think we should really be putting a, Not all our eggs in that basket, obviously, but I think we really should give that one a good go. It's obviously the the one we've not won under Jurgen Klopp uh, so far. Obviously, we've got beaten by Sevilla. So, I think it'd just be quite nice to get that bit of silverware in the cabinet under Jurgen Klopp. And, yeah, let's have a, a really, really positive season, hopefully.
2: Yeah, just lacking. I think what it was, Matt, just to finish off, just lacking. I think, I think Liverpool were lacking. It, it, there were moments last season where they were fantastic. Just it was the consistency matter again, wasn't it? We went back to the old days of we need three to win, we need four to win. Um, whereas, we, whereas we had a couple of seasons there where we, we could go one 0 up, four minutes in, and that would be the end result because we were so tight, such a tight ship on it. It was very, very hard to break down. And we just need to get back to that consistency. The positive, the positive thing, of course, th- th- was that we did very well against the big clubs it was just the, the little clubs wasn't it, it was the so-called little clubs the clubs that we expected to get results again that that sort of bullied us out of results hopefully the signings we're going to make are going to make that um, a much harder task for anyone to try and bully us because we'll have that stability in the midfield and it's the consistency we're after isn't it Matt
0: Yeah and that's what gives me hope I think in terms of Liverpool being the most likely team next season to challenge Manchester City it sounds it sounds almost silly to, to say that after the season that they just had, but it doesn't take that much improvement, I don't think, to improve, you know, a, a huge amount of the the results. It would have only taken one or two more different, you know, games, a couple of goals in, in some of the performances that they put in that you just didn't see coming. And they would have been in the top four. You know, they're, they're not a million miles away, I think if it was a case of they'd struggled against all of the teams that you'd expect them to have struggled against and they'd been beaten by Arsenal and Tottenham and Manchester United and teams like that, I think then you'd be a little bit more worried and, and you kind of wonder how do they take the next step. But if the next step is don't go to Brighton and Wolves and get beat 3-0 or don't go to Nottingham Forest and you know play as, as terribly as what they did, you know, things like that you, you don't expect to see next season. You you can quite easily imagine, you know, if they can start next season With a win, that was another thing that went wrong for them last season. They drew two all on the first day of the season. Then they they drew with Crystal Palace. Suddenly you're playing catch-up with Manchester City and you're starting to panic because you know that they are going to hit sort of 90 to 100 points probably, obviously 89 in the end, but I think they could have got more if they needed to. You know, For for Liverpool, it's a case of, of just sort of resetting, having a good start to next season. First 10 games of next season, if they win eight or nine of them, I think we can be fairly confident that they'll get into the top four and, and make a good fist of a title uh, challenge. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy almost that the season went the way it did, it ended the way it did. You've got a bit of positive momentum. Yeah, we can we can look forward to next season, I think, without too much trepidation of it being quite as as bad as, as what it was for, for much of last year.
2: Well, let's hope so. We are 40, 41 days, one hour and 38 minutes away from playing Karlsruhe fc no doubt pronouncing that wrong um and we'll get to see what kind of a shape and know as much as pre-season now but we'll get to see a, a very different uh lineup uh particularly in the midfield um and hopefully that's stability and we push on matt addison thank you very much my friend at mad addison 97 if you want to get in touch with mad only good stuff as i said before uh and epk Gino is ed day as well thank you for, uh, ed k thank you very much boys um enjoy yourselves enjoy the sunshine and uh, and i'll see you all again soon
1: you've been listening to
2: the poetry in motion podcast on the blood red channel